This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. RFK Refugees podcast. Ted and John here, covering DC United, covering soccer. But before we get into all of that, John, my friend, how you doing, man? How, how how's your week been going? It's been going good, man. I've been uh, doing all, doing a whole bunch of visits on the hill and really not sleeping too much. So I'm excited to take a break from using my brain and use my brain and talk about soccer. Pretty good. <laughs> switch, switch off a little bit. I I, I can switch feel off. that. I can feel that. I'm in the middle of like a an upgrade for our like one of our like database systems so fun it stuff that i won't bore the rest of the podcast with so we're getting ready for that get ready for a midnight release on wednesday so i'm gonna be great like on wednesday i'm just gonna be completely cognitive and and everything so we're gonna have our spinoff podcast where we where i get really into like legislative uh (laughs) legislative lobbying theory and you can talk about sort of release schedules and do you guys do uh do you guys do uh agile you talk uh, about that? Yeah, no, we are like we do like little small projects, a lot of our stuff. So there's there's usually when you get a project, it's usually just you kind of working on it and testing and doing I, all and being coordinating everything. It's it's great. It's really healthy and everything. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's a because of where we are located, there's probably a high crossover of IT uh, contractors, defense contractors that <laughs> would care very much about that, actually. But. Today, we'll just talk about soccer. Today, we we shall just talk about soccer. And let's talk about DC United. Let's talk about um, last, uh, wow, it feels like forever ago, but I guess it it was. was, It was was July 4th, last Thursday. It was, uh, we're about a week, a week removed from that game. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get through the bad first because obviously the game did not go well. But uh, stick around if if you know you've heard enough about that game. You know, just skip ahead a little bit. We got some um, some 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 sort of some I guess news announcements about kind of where we think the direction of the show is going. So definitely stick around for that. Uh, but let's talk about this game. Let's talk about DC United on July fourth. I think we all kind of had both of us, you and I, John, had kind of tempered expectations about what to expect out of this game. Um, I think we we. Things weren't going well. Ariel is still not back. There's a lot of a lot of things going on uh, with this team that I think we all were kind of just. I don't know. It, it, there weren't a lot of positive feelings. I guess would be the would be the main the main thing, and um, they were completely justified. Uh, DC, I this was probably the weakest I have seen this team play. Um, they were absolutely bossed up and down the field. Uh, Paxton Pomichol absolutely ran rampant over um, over the DC midfield. Uh, generated a whole bunch of chances. I'd have to go back and look at the stats, but I know it was pretty much one sided. Um, the the bigger shock, I guess, I guess the story was the fact that Mora started, and then also Acosta was on the bench, and you had um, uh, Lucas Rodriguez starting centrally. Um, and Segura and Griffin Yao getting his first start uh, of the year. So a lot of sort of weird first and kind of – so it was almost intriguing to go into because you were like, oh, man, Ben Olsen is trying something different. Uh, but it didn't work, did it, John? Right, and also Joseph Mora, who we thought was out for, for more weeks than than he was, uh, made a quick reappearance. Yeah. So it was a – there was a there was a there were many surprises. I actually missed I missed the Mora one the first time because I was so fixated on. Griffin yeah, me Yow. too, actually. <laughs> so, uh, it, yeah, I I think that you know, like we said, I think the prediction was either zero zero one one or one zero loss. It wasn't going to be 
uh, a big goal scoring game uh, before the game started. DC had not won in Dallas since 2007. After the game, DC has not won in Dallas since 2007. Nothing has changed in that regard. Yeah, it did not go well. Uh, the first 45 minutes. If you happen to watch the game, if you were on Flow Sports or if you had uh, VPN and ESPN Plus, you will have seen Ben Olsen uh, really be mad uh, talking to Chris Hall sort of about how the team performed, basically saying uh, this team did not try. <laughs> this team was, you know, chronic. I mean, this is a this was a chronic uh, 2017 DC United problem is that the team didn't start the game when the game started ever. And they always looked surprised when they were punched in the mouth in the first 10 minutes. Uh, that creeped back in this game. We got a picture of what now, you know, there are elements that you would say are not indicative of how you'd imagine the performance to be all the time. But uh, we got to see TT in the middle uh, and see sort of what that looked like as far as how much he gets on the ball and how much influence he'd have on the game. Uh, in the first 45 minutes, not very much. Griffin Yao also largely invisible. Uh, the the play was not working on his side generally, so he didn't really get an opportunity to engage. But when he did, he was most you mostly just saw him running backwards uh, as the ball was going the other direction. And, uh, bad bad look for a first start, but probably pretty common look for a first start. You know, and and, and I don't I don't know. I, I would still like to see because I think we're we're still we're still seeing we see a little bit of that from Lucas Rodriguez, sort of the the attacking ability um, that that he possesses, and and we're starting to see a little bit. Uh, more of that on the wing. So I, I I hesitate to sort of throw this in and say, well, this 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 won't work. We we should never try this again. Yeah, um, you got to keep trying it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got to because you know who knows what's going to happen with with Lucho with, with Lucho's contract situation. Um, Griffin Yao was interesting to me when I saw him starting. I was like, hmm, I guess that you know maybe there was some pressure or because it, it's very unlike. Ben Olsen to kind of do this. Maybe this was a, I need to see what I have here. Let's give the, you know, let's give him a try. You know, uh, FC Dallas is missing some players. You know, he's shown well. I got to reward a player for his performances. Um, Zoltan was apparently also sick. That also has a lot to play into it. He didn't make the trip because he was sick. So uh, when they, when I asked him, you know, sick, you know, maybe he has the homework (laughs) flu. Who knows? But uh, when asked about it, he basically intimated that he wouldn't have handed this start to him if they had any kind of depth right now on that side and they didn't so i i don't know how much of it was him really wanting to give griffin uh, like a, hey he earned that chance and how much it was just desperation well uh, probably probably mostly desperation but probably a little bit let's see what we got you know i i would argue i would argue then though then why okay if, if that's the issue then why not put acosta out there to start and lucas Rodriguez was also sick oh he was also acosta sick. was he was throwing up he was throwing up before oh, wow. the game. Oh wow! I missed. Yeah. I missed that. I missed that entirely. But I mean, I, yeah. I would, I would hedge to bet that there, are some other solutions could have existed. Um, I think other than throwing Griffin Yao out there, um, and people have been, you know, have been pining for Griffin Yao. People have been talking about, you know, why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? And I think we got to look at why. And I think we. I, this isn't me saying Griffin Yao's trash and you know throw him to the heap fire. I think he's not ready yet. I think that this this showed very clearly. He had an opportunity where he could have put on a put on a show, and then maybe suddenly Yamil Assad doesn't look like a necessity. Maybe you just offload and then you can look elsewhere. Um, I think this showed that while he certainly has a lot of potential, a lot of talent, he's he's lighting it up for Loudon. Um, he's not ready yet for for uh, prime time, so to speak. 
Um, I I think this showed that you know we we got some work to do and we got some development to do before we can start really expecting quality minutes out of him. Um, I would like to see him you know kind of maybe ease into that sub role, uh, come in when guys are tired. Maybe he has a little bit more of an impact rather than starting right out the gate. Um, but you know I, I I think I think Olsen seems like his evaluation of Griffin Yao honestly has looked spot on based on what we've seen with the start because everybody's been calling for him and. He did not play well, um, and he he's probably going back to the bench now that Ariola is back. Thank goodness that Ariola is back. Praise yep. the Lord that Ariola is back. It was funny, too, in interviews this week uh, and that uh, they needed to make sure that he would be fine for the for this weekend's game. And uh, Ben, they asked Ben about it, and Ben was like, he's fine. He's a professional athlete. He'll, he'll start. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah. Ariola was like, I'm tired. I hope I hope I recover in time for this for Friday. Ben's like he's playing. It doesn't. He's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, at this point, he pretty much has to play. Like there, there's. Oh, he will. Yeah, there's he no will, other. But I just it was funny to hear the player basically say like, "Yeah, I played like seven thousand games in three weeks. So yes, I am. I am not my. I'm not my best self at the moment." Let's uh, let's talk about the flash points of the game. The the big moments. Yes. Uh, the fir- the first one minute. What's that? <laughs> 33rd minute, the first one. The first one, yes. Um, the That being the Wayne Rooney red card that was rescinded. Um, I have thoughts on this. I have – DC got very, very lucky because I am not convinced that there was clear and obvious evidence that you could say you could overturn that. Um, it yep. was an incredibly late challenge, incredibly on the, on the fringe of careless. And if I was the center referee, I gave a red, I would look at that uh, review and I would say, there's not enough to say that I did not make the, the wrong decision there. And I would have stuck with my call um, for whatever reason. And, you know, maybe Rooney's, maybe Don Garber was piping in the mic saying, nope, 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 <laughs> nope, 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 nope. You're going to rescind this. You can rescind this. Um, I'm sure there are going to be people out there that say Rooney's celebrity played a role in there. Um, but for what the referee decided that, well, the, since his studs did not go into his ankle or his leg, uh, it's a care, it's a reckless challenge and thus a yellow card. Um, John, do you have opinions, thoughts? Do you think the referee made the right decision or are you more in line with me? Um, I, I feel like, uh, once again, VAR, the, the, the vagueness of clear, uh, and you know, what, what's the language again? What's clear and clear obvious, and clear, clear and obvious. obvious. That's the part where we're falling. We're falling short here. Um, in real time, it looked like a red. His his uh, his protestations were, I think, that he didn't get him with his his spikes. He got him with the top the top of his boot, <laughs> so that it was fine because he didn't. It wasn't a dangerous play. He didn't have his studs exposed. It was something else. Um, uh, if you look at it real slow, that the first contact that is made is with the top of his boot. I think then I think he then continues to potentially hit him with his studs elsewhere in the leg. Uh, it was an it was one of those things where he lost the ball and then made a rash challenge. So usually that goes for red. That's that has happened. I don't know a million times. To DC United players. Whenever there's a red card, it's usually just dispossessed or just recently kicked by the same guy, and then revenge of the nerds. Two seconds later, I'm gonna I'm gonna break your leg. So um, he got lucky. I, I do. I do agree. He got lucky. Uh, and I don't, you know, he was calm when it happened. He did. He wasn't as resigned as he was for the last red card where he knew he made a bad challenge and he was basically shook the hand of the ref 
shook the hand of the player and then just started walking. This was, I think he was a little bit more, uh, more cagey about it. But I think if you asked him in a moment of honesty, he would probably say that it could have gone either way. Yeah. Yeah. And see, and when we were watching the women's world cup, uh, when we've been watching those games, Christina uncle over on the Fox broadcast, um, has made a point to say that VAR is not supposed to be done to re-referee the game. It's supposed to show if the referee makes a clear mistake, and that's it. It's not supposed to re-referee or recall the game. And in that instance, I think VAR re-refereed that game. Um, let's let's get to the second point, the second flashpoint, because I have a different sort of opinion. I guess more. I, I was hoping we would have you know extra extra you know news about what's going to happen with with this with this incident. And I think you can say I'm referring to uh, Luciano Acosta, where his he basically is following sort of close to um, Junior Moreno. Junior Moreno appears to trip Poxton Pomical. Poxton Pomical falls down. Acosta kind of emerges from his uh, from his left shoulder and sees him right there. Sort of half, you know, jumps. His feet and studs do land on uh, Paxton Pomichol's throat. Referee calls a foul. You know, there's jostling. He goes to VAR, uh, gives a red card, and thus uh, Acosta is sent off. Um, I so we this is almost like we're having this discussion again because we're having the discussion, same discussion with uh, with Paul Ariola a few sort of in the beginning of June, which feels like forever ago um, against Houston. Um, I will contend that I thought the call was right. Studs anywhere on the body probably has to be a red, and you have to judge that fairly. Now, I'll be very curious. We haven't heard anything yet. I'll be very curious to see what the disciplinary committee decides because we were all kind of thinking during the Ariel foul, we said, well, yeah, that's a red, but I don't think you're going to get any sort of extra suspension. Um, And Ariola got an extra game added on to his already missed game. Um, now this is more towards the head and the throat. So could we see, and with Acosta's, you know, history, so to speak, uh, could we see extra games added possibly? And I think based on Ariola, I'm thinking he might get an extra game added. Um, and I disagree with that. I think that you need to apply these extra punishments to dissuade certain events. And I don't know how you can dissuade a situation where a guy literally cannot see a player until he is right at his feet. He makes an attempt to jump over. He's not stomping on Poxton Pomichol. If he like jumps and then stomps, sure, yeah, give him. You know, if he has to go somewhere, he's in the air. They can't stay up forever. So yeah. it's either fall down or land them somewhere. Yeah. So John, what is your opinion? Do you think it was a? Do you think the first of all, do you think the the call for red was correct? Uh, I. It's tough. They have been making an effort to call that this year in MOS. And not just an Ariola. There's been other. There's been other cases of that this year. So they've clearly been. They've clearly had a directive that 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 particular play, which happens frequently, is a red. Uh, do I think it's a red? No. And I don't. The fact that it wasn't initially, I think that goes down to intent. Like he was. He looked at the play. He didn't see the specifics, but it did not look malicious in real time. It did not look like he was seeing red, and he was mad and was gonna and was gonna make a play there. It was literally split second situation where the player is fouled goes down in front of him and and he happens to put his foot down um instinctively or maybe potentially instinctively you know unlikely uh intentionally to to cause harm uh so that, that that's where it's a trouble for me like if if you're if you're finding a car if you're using VAR to uh to find malicious intent that wasn't seen just because the ref missed it 
or the the third the third the fourth official missed it or the linesman missed it that's fine with me this in real time did not look right to me and the fact that he will probably get an extra game really makes me mad because think about kaku's kicking a ball into the stands giving a guy a concussion yeah at, you know, that's pure anger right like that was yeah. pure frustration and anger this was not something that happens in the course of 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 playing soccer just soccer movement and then uh one of our one of our uh one of our patrons greg koch said so is is the plan that you should just in the course of play try to lay down in front of someone if there's a if there's an opportunity like if it's really any contact that occurs in the course of a foul where you're making studs to the body there there has to be some sort of there has to be some sort of level of 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 intent or an ascribed effort to do so uh, because otherwise, if it's just anytime it happens, they can't they can't make a judgment call on it. Maybe maybe you should start falling down in front of people, like a, like doing the log roll, so that they have nowhere to go except for to land on you. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't like it. it here's here's what I will here here's what I will say. Like I said, this is kind of why I'm okay with the red because I think it's still studs, you know, and the idea is that you can't really know what the player is thinking. You can read intentions and so to speak. And honestly, you know, there are a lot of plays I've seen where studs have gone right into the shin and the referees are not calling it. And it, it, it becomes very frustrating to me because I see potential injury situations. I, I saw it in the, in the women's world cup. I've seen it in the gold cup and you know, where the ref, where literally situations happen and I'm like that should be a red and we you need defenders need to start playing better I'm getting sick of this you know it comes the same with the with the handling calls with defenders when defenders you know uh you know swipe at the ball miss the you know maybe hit the top of the ball but then their you know cleat goes right into the shins and I've had you know people say oh that's how can you call that you know he's making a play for the ball and I'm like well that doesn't matter the defender's still acting stupid um, so I understand the sentiment of, of protecting the players and, and doing all that. I just think suspending an extra game after that um, is patently ridiculous. That, that should be reserved for situations that where a player is where a player is acting in a in a dangerous you know injury causing manner and clearly clearly, too, clearly clearly too clearly doing that and giving and giving that extra game not for freak situations like we saw with Lu- with Luciano Costa. Give him the game that's fine, you know, they that comes with the red, you know, you got to you got to you got to do that, but anything beyond that is 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 in my opinion excessive. It doesn't really address the issue. It's it's punishing a player for something that he really didn't have any control about, control over. So, um I think that's really all we want to cover about this game. I don't think we really want to do we want to delve really too much into anything else with this game, John. I, I don't I don't really have anything that I feel like we need needs to be said. Um I toss this game, you know, learn from it, and then just, you know, bury it. <laughs> bury it deep in the ground. And um thank goodness Paul Ariel is back because I'm I'm a little more positive, uh, even with the without the Acosta suspension. Um I'm happy he's back and um uh, Hopefully we'll have some uh, some transfer news to talk about. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. I think we you all know who we're going to be talking about then. Uh, but before we get into that, before we before we segue to um, my interview with the guys from Six States One Pod, uh, we wanted to give some news, kind of about what we're thinking for the future of the show. So, John, why don't you why don't you start? Why don't you take it away? Sure. Yeah, I think um, you know, in an effort to uh, give you guys more uh, content. Uh, there, I think that there are there are times in the in the long MLS season where you know we get consi- f- 
for instance, go seven games without winning, uh, where there you're you might be looking for a bright spot or something else to something else to talk about, something else to discuss. Uh, and I think I think you know we're gonna keep covering DC United in the same unprepared, uh, shooting from the hip, uh, mispronouncing people's names way that we always have. Uh, but I think we're going to try to expand our coverage in the, in the in the DC area to the other teams. You know, we talk a little bit about Loud United now, but uh, particularly as Ryan Martin has taken over and we're seeing a lot more DC United prospects in the lineup and not just sort of USL journeymen, I think there is a lot more of a reason to get engaged with Loudon because I really think that we're more likely now to see future DC United players on Loudon than we were before. So I think there's value in covering that. But then we also think there's value in cover, covering Washington Spirit. Uh, I think that there is a real um, lack of, uh, you know, lack of coverage for that for that team. Um, you know, uh, Black and Red United do a great job on their blog. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, they may be one of the only groups that sort of have a, I think they have a beat writer for the Spirit and they cover every game. Uh, they have live blogs, I think, also for the games. Uh, but from a podcast perspective, there there may not be as many as as there are, particularly for DC United. Uh, that's now that's now <laughs> turned into a pretty healthy cottage industry. So that I know when we started, it was two and a half, and we're certainly up. You know, I think maybe five or six now. So that's great to see. But I think that we're going to try to figure out a way to you know expand our audience a little bit and talk about more things that uh, people are interested in. Also, we're gonna maybe we're gonna expand into the to the men's and women's national team programs. Granted, we just finished a World Cup and a tournament, and maybe it would have been better to have done <laughs> this prior to the end of those things. But you know, it offers us a a, a fresh starting point uh, to really be looking at that. And I mean, the world of information to cover when you're looking at the national team programs on both sides is extensive. So you're gonna hear from more people. We're gonna expand sort of our our our, our uh, you know. Our vo- the voices on our show, new voices, people who have different expertise, people that cover cover different teams in different ways. Uh, I think it's important. You know, you'll still get the same great John and Ted content uh, that you always have and uh, always come back for. But I think that there's real value in us trying to find uh, new voices who can talk about their teams and our teams in a different way. Um, so look out for that. I, there's not going to be we're not going to rebrand. I think you know RFK Refugees is who we are at this point. I don't think we need to change it. Um, you know, I think it still even fits because the U.S. national teams are not playing at RFK anymore. Nope. Uh, I think probably women <laughs> might be playing at Audi Field at some point. They're, they're yeah, that's true. Very yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think I think we're pretty much locked and loaded. We're, you're going to see the change happen gradually over time. I think as we you know, I will I will be upfront and Ted will be upfront about this right now. Neither of us are Washington Spirit experts at <laughs> all. I am new to this, just like you know, 75 percent of the people who just watched the Women's World Cup and said. What do I need to do to make sure that a platform for for women's soccer grows in this country outside of the every four year window? Um, so that's me. That's Ted. We're gonna we're trying to do that. I think that that's I think it's important. And we go into this knowing that we are neophytes in the space. So we're gonna really be leaning on the people who have been work doing this work uh, uh, in an, day in day out for for years. The people that have really enabled the NWSL to get to this point that it's even at right now. Um, uh, so. You know, it's it's going to be a growth opportunity for all of us. I think. I hope that that coverage doesn't turn you off. I hope that that doesn't make you want to stop listening to the show. Uh, what we'll likely do is sort of uh, we'll, we'll we'll make sure that we're sort of notating on the, on the show notes where stuff starts and ends. That way, if you really hate 
some elements are really only care about and other elements, you can still find something you want in the show if you were already a listener. And if you're new, you'll know where to go to hear the stuff that you care about. I think it's we we just really want to do a better job of talking about the entire picture of, of soccer in uh, the D.C. Metro Virginia area. We're not going to cover college sports. I don't have anywhere near the bandwidth to start learning about college sports. Sorry, Travis Clark. Um, that's just not going to happen for me. Uh, I think I think us covering Loud and DC United, the Spirit, and then and the U.S. teams will be uh, more than enough. So if you were if you were saying, boy, I can't wait to hear about Aaron Johansson's newest team, uh, only from RFK Refugees. I want to know about the the nine man depth uh, striker chart on uh, why why did Josh Sargent not go to the Gold Cup? <laughs> Uh, congrats. You're going to start hearing that from us. And I, that means I have to start, I have to re-engage in the men's national team that I have ignored uh, pretty studiously for a while. Luckily, Ted has been still pretty engaged, but we are going to get better. We're going to get, we're going to get more people in here. We're going to, we're going to make, make sure that we are getting content to you uh, closer to when things happen so that you, you feel like the, the content we're giving you is valid and, and relevant to you. I know that if you're me, 48 hours after a game, unless it was extremely memorable, you're kind of ready to flush it. And there's too much soccer coming up to really, you know, be thinking about those old games uh, a week on, almost a week on like this, uh, like this Dead FC Dallas game was. So stay tuned. We're trying to get better. We're trying to expand the show and make uh, and make sure that we ha- we can continue doing it. And there's enough listeners uh, that keep tuning in that make it uh, worth everyone's while. So and if, if you have opinions or you, you know, went please went to a spirit game, you know, opinions, opinions on the national team, send them our way. Um, happy to read them on the air. Happy to bring, you know, people on who, who can give us that perspective as well. Uh, we're going to try our best, but we're two people. And sometimes uh, we have lives. This is something we do for fun. This is a passion project for both of us. Um, if anyone out there listening wants to pay us a livable salary to do this, by all means, please uh, RFK refugees at gmail.com. Send it on. Send, <laughs> send it on. <laughs> the Patreon tier is, I believe, the Eric Tohir Patreon tier. Uh, I think it's I think it's somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we would love to be Total Soccer Show and give you a show every day. I think both of us would be uh, newly divorced men have, if we did do that and don't have a living salary uh, attached to it as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're, we just want to do we want to do more and do better. So we're hoping to give that to you guys. Absolutely. All right, uh, stick around, y'all. Uh, we next up we have our interview I did with the Six Dates One Pod. Definitely, uh, our Patreon listeners got in a special early access to this interview, um, so you can skip ahead a little bit if you don't want if you've already heard this and uh, you don't want to hear any more. Um, but other, other than that, for our regular listeners or those maybe who didn't catch the Patreon uh, early release, feel free to uh, stick around and listen to that great interview with them. A lot of lot of changes with New England and definitely uh, worth listening to. Uh, but the amount of you're listening to the RFK Refugees Podcast. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. RFK Refugees Podcast. We are uh, joined by some very, very special guests. Uh, you guys will probably remember we had uh, John from uh, Six States, One Pod. I'm uh, back. Uh, he's back. Uh, he's joined by Ray and Alex, his two, uh, his two co-hosts on his show. And, uh, we're going to, he's brought friends. That's right. It's my show. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to, they're going to take over now. They're not going to take over. (laughs) I need them. 
yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit of uh, DC New England Revolution coming up on Friday. Um, so I guess we'll start with uh, we'll I'll start with you, John. John, uh, so you guys had obviously a little bit of a, a little bit of coaching game change. Bruce Arena finally yeah, decided, okay, I'll, I'll I'll coach the team. Um, <laughs> we we all know Bruce here in DC. You know, longtime fans right. know right. who he is. Everybody knows who he is in the United States. Mm-hmm. What what has he sort of brought to this team that's sort of been different? Because you guys have kind of gone on a little bit of a run. Uh, yeah, he's brought a sense of calm actually to this to this team. Uh, you know that was that was severely lacking under under Brad Friedel. He's kind of he's he's right he's right at the ship. He's giving he's his his focus right now is to kind of simplify things in the offense and give confidence to a team that was in desperate need of it. Um, and uh, and so far they've been repl- they've been uh, they've been responding incredibly well uh, under under his his new leadership. Yeah, it, it seems like and, and either way, Alex, you guys can jump in because I mean, if you I, I feel like if everybody had told you that you know the New England Revolution would be sitting you know basically tied for that final playoff spot, you probably right, all right, would have yeah. said no I'm way that's happening. <laughs> I still think it's a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were we were talking we were talking during the show and I you know before we started recording we were going through like last minute prep and notes and stuff like that yeah. and I, I kind of turned to the guys and I said. I want to live in this moment for a while. Yeah, just a, just, <laughs> just, just this moment, you know, uh, unbeaten in seven MLS games, um, playing with a sense of momentum. Mm-hmm. The team is playing with purpose. The team is playing for each other, um, and you know, right on the outskirts of, of getting back into that competitive run mm-hmm. through the playoffs that we saw. Uh, you know, we saw this team go through it in 2014. Mm-hmm. Rumors of big name signings on the horizon. Sure. Um, and you're starting to feel um, as this is this is an organization um, that that's getting its collective act together again. Pinch and, me, right? Pinch uh, me. So we just kind of we just kind of want to hang out in the moments um, for a little bit, but really looking forward to this clash uh, on Friday in DC. Yeah, it should be fun. Are you, are you all, any of y'all coming down for the game? The, regrettably not. Yeah, I don't have plans I, to come down. I do it. want to make it to Audi Field at some point. It's beautiful. It is. Beautiful. I was there last year, and it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful it's a it's a great place to to watch soccer. Even where they put the the traveling supporters. Oh yeah. It's a really nice vista. You can uh, you you see the the, the Capitol Dome and uh, and the Washington Monument oh, wow. and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a really nice it's a nice vista. I lived in D.C. during yep. the summer, and I sworn. there's not a bad seat in the house you you can sit anywhere in that stadium and you'll get a good look at the at the field they they did do a a very good job of that um i did i will i do want to get down there i i i really appreciate it i love the name of your podcast because every time we we did make the three of us have all been to rfk a couple of times yeah (laughs) and i was always amazed that the screaming eagles section was still standing at the end of the (laughs) i watched the way that they, you know, the, the, I mean, totally into the game, like great supporters, yeah, yeah. great supporter group, always very welcoming. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we were able to, uh, to jump in some of the tailgates, sure. super welcoming people. But I was always, I always said a little prayer. I was grateful everybody just walked out of that stadium. <laughs> yeah, that and, place is bouncy. Because <laughs> RFK reminded me like something that you would use to film The Walking Dead. <laughs> uh, and, and so nobody, you know, I, I really believe the Revs deserve uh, a soccer-specific stadium. But, you know, after us, it was definitely you guys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. congratulations. We've heard nothing but good things about it. I can't wait to get there uh, in the cool place. 
<laughs> well, uh, well, we'll definitely, definitely welcome you in. I know John. Well, I don't get up. I can't get up as much. It's a long drive from Richmond, but, uh, but sure, yeah. I know that. Um, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, there, there was, there's a. Uh, you have Teal Bunbury, who I think again, he's he's like he's like the he has like a whole bunch of lies because everybody kind of writes him off. Uh, he's not, you know, this is it. He's done. He's he's you know washed up, and then he just like comes back to life and starts putting the ball in the back of the net. He scored a fantastic. Uh, goal for you guys in the Open Cup. Um, is has it just been? You think the coaching change, moving away from Friedel to Arena, that sort of made the difference there. So I think John kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of the coaching change and what that's done for everybody on the team. So I think a, a lot of that with Teal Bunbury is that is that confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of what what he's playing uh, now in his style and, and what he's able to execute on has just shown and and has been produced from that confidence. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I do attribute a lot of it to, uh, the coaching change mm-hmm. because Teal Bunbury, you know, has had the experience in MLS, right. Um, but his goal scoring ability as of late, it's like, he's a totally different forward now. Yeah. Five goals in the last six appearances. And he just scored his 50th goal, um, his 50th career MLS, MLS yeah. goal, uh, in that, in that game against Colorado on, uh, I don't know. You want to call that Thursday or Friday? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He scored. It was. It was still Thursday when he scored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think like everything else, you know, we'll take that performance from him, and and it's amazing how, uh, you know, he he's changed just like a lot of other players on this team when Bruce Arena came on. Mm-hmm. I think the other the, the other thing to recognize about Teal is like, um, uh, he's a he's a very passionate player, but we've seen mm-hmm. him. I mean, we've seen him getting guys' faces this year. Yeah, we're seeing, absolutely. We're seeing a different that side passion, of this. That passion's coming out for We're sure. seeing some yeah. real fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he is – I think Alex and John is right. It's it's a matter of confidence, but it's also in a matter in the way that he's being used by Bruce Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, pl- playing him you know, in, in those right positions where he feels comfortable, receiving the ball, what he can do. Um, and, you know, and how he's developed, It's uh, it's been really fun to watch because, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of seasons ago we would see – you know, Teal trying to get back into the more regular presence. And we would kind of, you know, we would kind of joke and kid about, man, this guy will fire it from anywhere. Yeah, right, right, He right, absolutely right. will just fire it. He's like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take advantage of every second I'm out here. Exactly. And now he's being uh, a little bit more surgical. In fact, sometimes we think, you know, um, there are times he holds back uh, when I, you know, I think you really should pull the trigger a little sure. quicker. Um, but these guys are right. It's all about confidence in the way he's being used this year. Well, with that being said, it looks like maybe there's a potential replacement that they're uh, that they're li- that they're lining up. Uh, Gustavo, I'm gonna say is is it is it boy? Bo. 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 It's Bo. Okay, Gustavo. Gustavo Bo. Gustavo Bo. Uh, it's all right. We just learned that today too. Who <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently uh, he's in Boston right now, and he's one of the transfer targets. Um, what what have y'all heard about him? Is is he? I have no idea who this guy is. I literally he's just a, saw it just he's like a you did. Huge Rolling Stones fan. <laughs> That's what you know. His agent, apparently. <laughs> uh, they were at the Rolling Stone. He was at, he was spotted. At, well, not spotted. He was he was, he there. was, he was uh, posting uh, yeah. posting from yeah, Instagram yeah. at the yeah. uh, at the Rolling Stone concert um, last night, and then he was posting again from Boston today. So the the rumors are um, that it's somewhere between four and a half million to ten million in terms right, right. of uh, for a transfer fee. Um, which would absolutely break, uh, break the bank uh, yeah, yeah. in terms of what the Revs as an organization have previously committed to bringing in DPs. Mm-hmm. We don't have any official word yet from the club, and, and you know how, who knows how that number is being calculated. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, we, um, we 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 spoke to uh, Cesar Hernandez, 
from uh, the Sholos podcast, which covers uh, Liga MX and specifically covers um, Tijuana. Right. And um, got a good breakdown from him about, you know, understanding where he plays. Um, and they feel that he, he could be comfortable in either the nine, either the nine or 10. So for us, you know, we don't know, you know, we know just as much as, as everybody else in terms yeah. of timing on this, except mm-hmm. we know that he's in Boston, which is certainly a good sign. Right. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he's tactically deployed. Um, but one of the things that, that we're really excited about, I know I'm really excited about is to see him, um, is to see him work with Carlos Heel, Juan Agadello. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly we think there's, I think Bruce Arena, um, likes the way that Teal, mm-hmm. to Alex's point, I think he mm-hmm. likes the way that Teal Bunbury is playing right now. So I'm not sure I would use the word replacement, um, with regard to Bo yet. We don't really know how that's going to develop. Um, but I think if I were a betting man, I, I would, I think you would see that, um, that Bruce Arena is going to figure out a way to keep, uh, to keep Teal part of that lineup, mm-hmm. at least for the immediate future. Yeah. I definitely think we're going to probably see this, this, if this acquisition actually goes through, the transfer goes through. <laughs> I think um, you know we'll see this this dual striker um, type of, of tactic from Bruce Arena. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he interfaces, like Ray said, with all those other guys. From from everything we're hearing, it seems like this is an imminent signing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're just kind of you know checking Twitter every fifteen right. minutes to see when this is actually going to drop. I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm just happy yeah. we have I'm just happy we have an imminent signing like this to talk about. It's exciting. <laughs> like like Ray had said, this is you know, this would this would break the transfer record for uh for a rev signing. Right. And uh you know it's 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 great and it's exciting, but we're also just kind of sitting here. It's like, is this is this isn't this isn't your grandfather's uh, New England Revolution? No. Uh, it's uh, it's a little it's a little weird. It's uh, it's a little uh, it's a little off putting. Um, but uh, we're all we're all excited to be on the ride. Trust me, enough. And I feel like it's like I'm I'm hearing similar things to us in 2018 when Ben Olsen was interviewed by TMZ in the airport mm-hmm. when Wayne Rooney was imminent and just the weird world we were living in. So sure, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I can att- I can I can attest to that. Um, I guess uh, one other player I had um, on on my mind is uh, Diego Fagundes. Because, um, you know, rumors were having it. He was kind of looking for the door. He was looking for any way he could get out of New England. Yeah, he ha- starts that rumor every year. Yeah. Or <laughs> well, his dad does. But, I mean, <laughs> how has he looked sort of since the, the Bruce Arena coaching change? I, I hate to frame everything with the coaching change, but that's probably been the most significant thing to happen since since we last played you guys. <laughs> it's – it's well, no, that's, that's absolutely fair. It's actually interesting because I feel like – at least I feel that – of you know since since this Bruce Arena change and and the confidence that he's brought he's been the one Diego's been the one player who hasn't really responded uh, like like a lot of his teammates. No, that's absolutely correct. Um, and Diego is Diego lives and dies on confidence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when he's playing with confidence, there's no stop. You know, it, it is incredible to see what he can do on a pitch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been a long time since we've seen that guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if it was a matter of being uncomfortable in the Brad Friedel era. I know a lot of those guys, um, you know, weren't, weren't happy. We've seen former players like Chris Tierney mm-hmm. um, talk about how Brad Friedel was overmanaging them, that they weren't being treated like professionals. And they were, you know, they, they just, there was, was a clearly a lack of comfort mm-hmm. uh, and frustration that Diogo was developing under Brad Friedel. Then you have interim coach Mike Lapper come in. And, and he tries. He tries to bring things out of Diego. And now we've seen, um, we've seen less and less of Diego 
uh, in the last few games. And we're actually we're, we're trying to we were uh, we were reviewing the Colorado game with some of the guys that cover this club, some of our uh, our media colleagues, and um, you know it'll be really interesting if um, if this bow signing does go through and, and if there are some other mm-hmm. moves that the team makes um, during the transfer window ultimately where Diego lands a lot of lot of a um, lot of sentiment for uh, an appreciation for him being a homegrown player mm-hmm. yeah absolutely uh, a successful homegrown player I mean you talk about years ago there was like could this guy switch and be, you know make a run at the US national team sure or, yeah um, you know so but largely, you know, the word I would use is largely absent mm-hmm. from the confidence mm-hmm. that the other players are uh, having around and are sharing around him. Well, you talk about you talk about some other signings too coming through. Um, I just I saw this one. You guys are after a 33 year old Belgian uh, who's playing for Barcelona right now, I guess, or is he is he played for Barcelona? I guess is the his last team was uh, was Barcelona. Yeah, he was. Uh, yes, like you said, 33 year old center back uh, Thomas Vermillion. Vermillion. Yeah. Vermillion. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, again, that there's there's not as much uh, there's not as much juice behind that one as the uh, as the bow um, uh, speculation, but um, but it sure is nice to be. But it sure is nice to be speculating. Exactly. So yeah, he he um, uh, Belgian Belgian international. Uh, yeah, recently at the end of at the end of the 2019 season became a free agent but was mm-hmm. on the was on the, the the payroll at Barcelona also played at Ajax Arsenal and, and Roma yeah. that's right yeah uh, comes in with a good pedigree great resume and one of the things i will i i will say you know we debated before the secondary transfer window opened we asked a lot of questions in terms of mm-hmm. like where would you look to rebuild if you're the revs and there's two camps. One said we need to we need to find an aggressive attacker mm-hmm. that can finish and create uh, opportunities and score goals. Mm-hmm. We need that prolific score, and it looks like Bo is going to try to is, is going to fit right. um, that look. And then a lot of people said you need a solid center back mm-hmm. to build your back line around. We've had serious center back depth issues this year. Right. right. Yeah. So yeah. the yeah. idea that he's being mentioned in the mix makes sense mm-hmm. uh it makes sense to us i think mm-hmm. um you know how it develops and what the cost is and everything um we'll see but but those are the rumors that are being reported as of now all right uh i guess give, give me a sense you know ha- has much changed i guess since we last saw you guys as far as like how you expect arena sort of to line the team up um, i think y'all talked about how he's kind of simplified everything um I, that's what he does he does a really good job at that as sort of just Keeping things simple. Um, mm-hmm. How are you expecting New England to come out um, against uh, against DC? Is Matt Turner going to stay on his line uh, this time around? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to make any promises about Matt Turner. <laughs> whether or not he's going to absolutely lay out uh, um, uh, Wayne Rooney again, yeah. I, you know, I, I can't. I'm not. I'm not his keeper. I don't. <laughs> he's my keeper. <laughs> but uh, but Arena seems to be favoring uh, like a four two three. One, one uh yeah. formation as of late with um with either teal bunbury or uh or juan fernando caicedo uh as that as that uh that lone striker and uh carlos heel like right behind in the in the right. 10, spot. 10 spot and that's been uh that's been you know that's that's been getting the job done as of the last uh the last seven games anyway uh unbeaten in our last seven games um so so yeah, obviously you know you have you have people like um, like Christian Padilla who who 
goes kind of back and forth between right. starting and coming in off the bench. I think there's some some fitness issues uh, in there as to whether or not he would start. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's basically um, you know arenas. You know it's it's still early days, but we're we're starting to get kind of a, a feel for for what he's going to show us in terms of a uh, a match day eleven. Yeah, you also look at somebody like a Castillo, right? And, and Castillo, get, come yeah, out yeah. with like a little bit of an offensive spark out of the back, right? Yeah. And feeding a lot of those guys like Heal and mm-hmm. and feeding the the lines to those guys uh, to make stuff happen up front. Mm-hmm. All right, boys, I guess uh, before we wrap up, uh, let's get some predictions for you all. Um, John, I, I know you you and what you were nice enough to come on our show, um, so I'm going to go ahead and start with you. What, what do you have for this game? I'm going 2-1 revs again because uh, that's, uh, that's been our winning scoreline <laughs> as, of, as of late. All right, uh, Ray? Because I am nothing but confident. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go clean sheet for Matt Turner, 2-0. Oh, nice. 2-0, revs have been playing well on the road. Yep. Um, and it was, it was to the point that um, – even in even the darkest part of, of Brad Friedel's time here, you could sometimes uh, scrounge some hope mm-hmm. that, that, that the team would put something together on the road. And and uh, Bruce Arena has, has noted it, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as recently as this Colorado game. Talked about having always played well on the road this year, but earning results. So I'm going to nothing. I I think this is going to be uh, an honest test for for the Revs, and I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go also with a clean sheet for Turner, but I'm gonna say it's gonna be a one nothing game. For the Revs. You, you guys brought up Matt Turner, and I can't yell at y'all because I'm I'm Richmond, and he was so awesome <laughs> for us. So I can't be angry about it because I because I like Matt Turner. I like Matt as Turner. much as you want to be, right? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we did we did a uh, we did a one on one with him last last year, last year, yeah, last season, yeah, yeah. last season. And, um, you know, the fascinating thing about Matt Turner is that he's only played competitive soccer since he was like 17. Right. Yeah. Um, and he is, he was 22 last year, 23 mm-hmm. now. So um, to see his rise and, uh, and development and, and, and the mix of how he's fit into this role for the team has been really fun to watch. But I will say, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners that aren't big fans given the, the <laughs> Rooney clash, but... You know, he is one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. He mm-hmm. just really is like, you know, kind of appreciates the the position that he's in and how it's all kind of developed and and really just wants to contribute. So, and, uh, and I I wasn't sure what I was going to tell the story, but you know what, I'm I'm going to tell it. Um, when he actually had the red card, I was watching with a former uh, kickers player. And he he actually knows Matt Turner very well. And so he actually texted him after the red card (laughs) and uh, he responded too. So, um, so that, that's kind of my, my uh, kind of the the, weird, funny moment, I guess you get, you get, you only get in American soccer. You never get that anywhere else. (laughs) You don't happen to know what the response was. He was, he was, he was not happy, but it looks like it's working out for him pretty well. So, so I'm happy for him for sure uh, that he, that he's doing well down there. Um, well, guys, uh, thank you so, so much uh, for, for joining us. Absolutely. Um, go ahead. Uh, either one of y'all plug, uh, tell the good listeners on our side where they can find you. Sure. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at six states, one pod. All right. Great. And uh, guys, and to my listeners, be sure to check it out. We just recorded a segment previously where I talk DC. So if you can't get enough me talking DC, you can listen to their uh, to their show and I'll, and I'll pop in. So uh, thank you all so, so much for joining us. This has been awesome. Uh, great segment. And uh, I guess this is the last game unless we meet in the playoffs. So uh, thank you all so much for joining us. And uh, our listeners stick around. Uh, we'll probably come back to wrap up the show. So you've been listening to the RFK Refugees podcast.
Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I right, Grip Juice Podcast here to wrap up the show. Uh, Ted and John here, uh, as always. So let's uh, let's jump right into. Um, I don't know where to start. I think where should we start? Start with the men's team or the women's team? Do we want to start with the bad or do we want do we want to like end with the good? What do you think? We'll start Jake? with the bad. Start, start with, with the bad. bad. So we'll start with the bad. So we'll start with the men's national team. Um, though not 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 the completely you know, horrible, bad, you know, men's national team. Um, the, of course, if you're, you weren't paying attention, there was a whole bunch of soccer on Sunday. There was the Women's World Cup final. There was the Copa America final. And, of course, the Gold Cup final. Um, we're doing this out of sort of the normal order of how we watch this and talking right. about the uh, the Men's Gold Cup final between the U.S. and Mexico. Um, weird. Did, did you, you had a chance to watch this game. Did you have a chance to watch? So, I mean, yeah, weird yeah. weird game from, I guess, the get-go. U.S. having a whole bunch of chances. Uh, Josie Altidore, uh, you know, basically having a shot right in front of goal that he somehow manages to to pull wide. Um, not helping my claim that he is still probably the best uh, national team forward. I said on the, I said on the, I think on the Twitter account, I said, he does all this great work. Like, I think he literally set up a beautiful run for, um, for Christian Pulisic in that game. And all this work, and I'm like, this is why he's out there because he does these types of things, and you know, and he can also score goals. And then he literally, like, as soon as I typed that out, like, he literally just pulled a shot wide. Um, and I was like, well, shoot. Um, Paul Riola <laughs> for for sort of a DC focus uh, listeners uh, was excellent. He's had a really good tournament. Um, I think there were a lot of people out there, national team fans, I heard that were kind of dogging on him. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Really? Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people that do not like. Uh, do not like uh, Paul Ariola. Um, it, they it exists. Trust me. I've read the Richmond, the Richmond board a couple times. Um, I think it's wrong. I think they're very wrong. Who do they want instead? Do they do they say who they would have rather had from the bench? Uh, they they aren't clear. They're just very clear that he that he misses a bunch of chances. And I'm like, well, every player. See, this yeah. is my, this is my problem with a lot of the national team. It's like players will make one mistake, but they do like nine things right, and they do one thing wrong. And everybody just harps on the one thing that they did wrong. It happens with Bob, you know, Michael Bradley. Almost said Bob Bradley. Happens with Michael Bradley. Happens with Josie Altador constantly. And they, Josie Altador and Michael Bradley are the ones that suffer the most from it. And I am so tired of it because there's so much good that Michael Bradley does when he's out there on the field. And there's so much good that Josie Altador does that on the field. And they get completely just eviscerated. And if Christian Pulisic has the same type of game, he's lauded as having the best performance of a national team player ever. Um, and I'm sick of it and annoyed of it. And um, you know, I, well, get get used to it, Ted. As we as we sort of wade further into this, I think national team fandom is rife with that. There because there's no opportunity for a long view because they're not week to week with the team, and the games are so far apart. I feel like that sort of myopic like snap judgment negativity is inherent in national team fandom. I don't know about all of them, but at least in the United States, that's that's the way that's the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be. Unfortunately, there is, there is a sense with the national team and, and it's a course of frustration, you know, in the 2002, 2006 soccer was still, especially the U S men's national team was very much still a very niche type, small thing. So a lot of people watched a lot of the games. And I think 2010 with the Landon Donovan goal, and 2014, things have kind of just exploded. And I think a big, big problem, you know, with – and it's great that there are a lot of people that are willing to watch soccer. But a lot of people will show up, you know, for the World Cup or they'll show up for World Cup qualifying. And then, you know, they'll watch – and they, they may have a European team they watch, you know, occasionally. 
but they don't spend a lot of the time day day in and day out watching you know a lot of the other players and they like to pass opinions and judgments based on those games like i don't know why paul Ariel's out there and like well if you watch him week in and week out for dc you can see his impact and you can see how well he plays and yes he might not have played well for this one game but he has about 30 other games he plays that he does really well and he's certainly somebody that that you should keep around um and the I think there's a lot of uh, PTSD that fans are suffering with the 2018 World Cup. Um, Brad Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore were already not love not well loved players leading into the World Cup. Um, I put a lot of the blame on that on Jurgen Klinsmann and how he ran Michael Bradley into the ground um, and had him do basically everything in central midfield and just didn't have a plan or anything any sort of an effective tactical plan um, that I will contend that to the day I die. Um, and I think that, you know, the Bradley and Altador were the scapegoats and they've continued to be the scapegoats uh, for that yep. failure. So um, I'm hopeful things will change, but I'm, I'm not necessarily positive about things changing. Um, and yeah, before, one... before we move on, I just want to say two quick things. Uh, Weston McKinney appears to be the real deal. Yeah, I'm he excited is. To, I'm excited to watch him more this year in Schalke. He just got a contract extension. I imagine that he he started a lot of games last year and had some injuries, uh, but he looks healthy. He looks ready to go for this season. That'll be exciting. And Chelsea seemed to have gotten uh, Kristen Pulisic at the right time. Uh, he had he had injuries last year for for Dortmund and didn't play a lot of the season. When he came back, he was pretty sharp. Um, before he was injured, he was kind of not very sharp. So it was very confusing to see uh, just from the timing and when they had to pay, I think seventy million dollars for him. It was right at the after him having a pretty bad half season. Uh, but it looks like he's ready to go. He has uh, gotten much better in the last few years. Uh, like I said, I, I am one of those people that sort of tuned out after the Miss World Cup for a little bit. Uh, but he has looked he, – he was taking on players in a very exciting way. He didn't lose the ball stupidly. Uh, I'm excited to see him uh, – see another – a year with him at, with the keys uh, in the midfield. It's, it's, it's promising. Mm-hmm. We do have some holes to address. Uh, we mentioned very briefly Josh Sargent might have been a good uh, a good bring to this tournament. Potentially different, maybe than Giassi Zardes. That's a conversation I think we'll have a lot as we talk yeah. about the national team, about the striker position, and also Burholter's love of Zardes. Um, that that is not a new phenomenon where a club coach takes over a national team and has his favorites and brings them along. That's not new. That's not just the, that's just not the U.S. Uh, but we will, uh, you know, both of us say uh, the the appearance up till a certain point was surprisingly good. The first half was great. The subs in the second half really sort of gave the game away, um, sort of confusing. Uh, potentially, Tata uh, may have outcoached Greg, similar to the way that Ben Olsen got outcoached in the playoffs against Borhalter in the second half or in the whole game. Uh, so that's really the result we saw, that they didn't capitalize in the first half. And in the second half, uh, the subs that were made, uh, Altidore coming out early supposedly for legs, um, was, was sort of looked at as confusing. Uh, also, Bringing on Daniel Lovitz in the 83rd minute, chasing the game was confusing to a lot of folks. I get the confusion there. Um, Jordan Morris, for me, I'm, I don't have a problem with him being subbed off. I didn't think he was very effective uh, in, in in the game. I think he had a few spells in the first half. He was okay, but other than that, it was pretty invisible. Uh, if you look at the bench, other players that could have brought, been brought on an attack: Tyler Boyd. Jonathan Lewis, who I like, but I don't think that's I don't think that's the move. Tyler Boyd. Who, who was uh, excellent in this Gold Cup? Another guy who he, kind of appeared. Um, he was. Reggie Cannon's another one too. Who very much. I think everybody's hoping Reggie Cannon's emergence means Tyler Adams can be slotted into that defensive midfielder role. That <laughs> makes our team much better. Yes. Absolutely, if that, if that can happen. Um, 
and Jordy Mihaljevic was the other option. So there weren't there weren't proven goal scorers. Tyler Board, like I said, we just said had a good tournament, but he also um, I forget which podcast I was listening to. It appeared that he was uh, playing for himself in some opportunities and taking any shot he could, and not really necessarily setting up people. Uh, he also scored goals, so I'm okay with that. But apparently, there's there is thought that that's why that's why he sat and didn't come in. But we'll never know. Yeah, and and certainly we'll never know. But um, I I I will say. One thing I, everybody was was dumping on, you know, dumping on Burhalter after two essentially meaningless friendly games. Let's be clear; those games did not matter. Everybody was dumping on. Oh man, wow, look horrible! How horrible uh, Burhalter is doing. He, you know, he should be gone. You know, after this. And I was saying, look, let's give him a gold cup. Let's give him some actual competitive games that actually matter. Um, and I think he showed me enough that I am more positive that there is a plan and there is an idea in place whether it works or not there's a plan and there's an idea not half-hearted promises that i ne- that you never intend to fill up on uh jurgen um and that's the thing that people need to need to remember jurgen didn't have a plan he didn't have an idea on what he wanted to do he liked to talk about all these things these big things he wanted to do but he never actually did anything and there's at least an idea here you can see that there's a training there's a there's a Berhalter has an idea on what he wants to do. Um, so that's what I'm positive about. And I, I think I'm positive moving forward. Uh, let's get to the good. Let's get to the the amazing good, and that is the U.S. women's national team. Um, winning a 2-0 game over the Netherlands. All the all the question marks, all the criticisms um, of, the, of the team heading into the tournament almost seem to evaporate. This game never really looked like it was in doubt um, in, in a lot of ways. And maybe the first half, you could see that Netherlands was playing really, really organized. Um, and then they, you know, the U.S. is pressure, 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 just really kind of just hammered um, at the Netherlands. And until they, you know, make a mistake, give them a penalty. And after the after Megan Rapinoe scored that goal, I think everybody was kind of like, OK, this is this is over. Um, this is done and, and dusted. I don't think there was any hope that the Netherlands would actually come back. Talk about VAR on that penalty call, though. Yeah, that was a correct call. That was a correct use of VAR. I think everybody's going to, you know, you're going to complain about that. The, absolutely, she misses the ball and her cleats go right into Alex Morgan. And this is what I get into. Everybody seems to want to give defenders the benefit of the doubt and like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, defenders have to play better. You have to play better. This isn't 1970 anymore. You can't just punch a guy in the face and then get away with like a yellow anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. I'm sorry, it doesn't. If they're not going to get better, though, I don't want to see three penalties a game in pursuit of uh, in pursuit of the punishing defenders for sucking. I don't, well, I don't think that's necessarily the best outcome either, but you, you know it's gotta what? be a middle ground. You know what? Players adjust. And everybody everybody was ripping on VAR for the penalties, and, and even I thought that was a little excessive and ridiculous. I think the rule changes that still need to be in place. Uh, but the goalkeepers adjusted and they started to actually, you know, stay on the line and start to do things. So if anything, I, I'm hopeful that this that this is gonna cause a change and defenders are actually gonna be better. Rather than just, you know, trying to say, I'm going to play physical. That's that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to play physical and, you know, actually trying to play good defense, you know, make it so you don't have to make plays like that. Anyway, let, I want to talk about the one goal that I thought was the best goal the United States scored in the entire World Cup, and that was Rose Lavelle's goal. Just an unbelievable run to space. And we're going to hopefully be talking more about her because she is, a, of course, a Washington Spirit player. Uh, beautiful run into space and then just an absolute uh, crack of a shot right into the into the into the into the back of the net um beautiful goal pretty much sealed it at that point that this was the at that point you knew it was over the united states was going to win their their fourth world cup um you know 
it was an incredible World Cup, incredible amounts of fun to watch. Um, and we're starting to see, you know, changes happen with the women's team. Uh, there's more talk about, uh, you know, sort of a equal pay. I think they should get paid more based on what I saw in that World Cup. This just how they handled their business. Um, any sort of thoughts about that game that you wanna that you wanna you wanna take a you wanna put in? Jim? Yeah, I, I was extremely impressed with the Netherlands' tactical discipline in the first half. Um, as far as de- their defensive shell and their defensive system, I was extremely impressed with that. I had not watched all of their games, but uh, as I was listening and hearing and reading about the team, that is that is partially what they're known for. I think that that sort of system defense they were they did a very good job of containing uh, the U.S. Uh, for for large stretches of the game. Uh, I already said I felt a little, a little soft in the penalty. I can also see the case for it being one. Uh, Lavelle's goal was fantastic. Uh, about the sort of the aftermath, I think it's hilarious that Joe Man- Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, <laughs> who, if you follow politics at all, it's a very strange choice to me making this move forward, but uh, intimated that there will be no money for uh, the World Cup in the United States, no federal money unless uh, equal pay is occurs now. And uh, 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 Megan Rapinoe was on the Rachel Maddow show last night and said, basically, if you're not if you're not on the if if equal pay is a challenge for you to understand right now, then you're not anywhere near where the conversation needs to be. We've moved past that. That's in the rearview mirror. That's going to happen. And and if if you're bringing up uh, if you're bringing up a scrimmage that the U.S. women's team had against the U15 FC Dallas team. And using that as your an example, as sort of a, a counter argument, you are a trash human being, and you should stop using that argument. Entirely. It also doesn't matter. It, That's it, not, it, it doesn't matter. Men. Yes, exactly. They don't. They play. They play women. That's what they do. We don't need to say. That, that that's irrelevant to the cause of why they they should be paid. They should be paid what they are what they need to be paid because of their performance, because of the interest and dollars brought into the program, because of their success. That's that's why if we're, if we're talking about the system in which you're rewarded for uh, what you put in, what you what value you create, it's unquestionable that they have created more value in the last last eight years uh, to United States soccer as a corporation and to the, the, the following of soccer in the United States and the men's team. That's not to begrudge the men's team, but that's just to elevate the women's team. The women's team has has done more has done more for for the United States at this point. So that needs to happen. Now I understand the complications around this based on the way that they are paid as annual employees basically by US soccer because of their NWSL participation. Also a quick aside, I think it's crazy that they are that uh, you you're not allowed to play on the national team if you don't play in the NWSL. Uh, I feel like that is that would not stand up to legal scrutiny <laughs> if it were real if it were really if they were really to look at it. Um, but that aside it, it, it appears to be it appears to be something they've got to figure out. They will have been negotiating on this already. U.S. Soccer would be very wise to just do it now, while all of their eyes are on the team. Only way you're going to get goodwill on this is if you do it now and you say we're not negotiating anymore. We're giving them what they deserve, because uh, if you continue to drag us on, you just look like the bad guys. I feel like they may be hoping that as the attention dies down a little bit after this tournament, they can resume their hardball, um, but. They really, really should. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. They should, they they should not, um, you know, and, and they should not be, you know, dragging their feet or saying they, they almost all of their arguments against it, you know, revenue and 
everything's just falling apart around them. Any sort of argument they have. I mean, it's now apparently it's proven that they bring in more revenue now. There's more revenue in jersey sales. There's more revenue in uh, in in overall in, in overall interest in the game. I mean, they there's a, a, a there were thousands of people at the uh, at the at the parade uh, for the for the team. I mean, if if you by the way, if you, if you're not watching Ashlyn Harris's Instagram, you know stories, you need to do that missed right out. now. It's you, you definitely missed out. <laughs> you missed out. It's been fantastic. I I'm not a person who's into Instagram, but when I found out I had to do it, I started watching it. It's incredible. Um, she's doing an incredible job with that. Um, I would watch literally a whole if she like did a whole like Instagram story. For her entire rest of her life, I would watch it. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, they've they, they've lost uh, they've lost all bargaining chips, in my opinion. And they need to get it done. It needs to be done now. So, um, again, congratulations to them. Uh, congratulations to Roosevelt, Mallory Pugh for the for the Washington Spirit. Um, also, congratulations to Allie Krieger and Crystal Dunn, both former. Uh, Washington Spirit players. Um, super super pumped for Crystal Dunn. I have been beating the Crystal. I have loved crystal dunson she lit up the spirit and really just she got like left off the national team and she just said i'm just going to tear up the nasl and she absolutely did uh the nwsl excuse me is what i should say and and she absolutely did so uh glad to see her on the team and glad to see her get some props for she is playing out of position and she had a fantastic world cup um playing as a as a right back and she and if you watched her was our left back you're right correct correction left back um, and if you watched her in NWSL, you would find that very puzzling as to why she's playing left back. But she did a fantastic job. No People question. said that's like that's like if uh, Roberto Martinez played Eden Hazard left back. Yeah, basically. Like naturally gifted offensive weapon that scores goals in the bunches. I was very sad that she didn't score. Uh, I really wanted final. to score. I really she had a, she had a great opportunity yeah. in front of goal and she just you know she hasn't been near the goal that that close in a while. So I'm sure it was I'm sure it was a little bit of rush of adrenaline, but. I, that's that's pretty much all we wanted to say. I think we just wanted to make sure that we we you know we got we had to give praise to to the women who win again. The rest of the world tries to catch up. They're getting closer, but it's still uh, they, they're, they're, they they still have the mentality advantage on all these teams. No matter what happens as far as uh, you know, England uh, spending a lot more money and time on their women's league. Uh, countries across Europe spending more t- spending more time and money. Uh, on on improving uh, facilities and and all those things, uh, the U.S. women have a mental edge and and a and a mentality edge that are gonna gonna carry them through. I think for still some time, it's getting closer, but they they have the killer instinct and the discipline and the ability to stay uh, stay in stay in it, stay gritty the entire time. Uniquely American trait, but it is, it's really it's really to their benefit, I think, in, in the in the global game. And, and their domination is starting to push other nations to to get better. England's, you know, for a while there was nothing in 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 the women's game. I mean, they you know hadn't even made the World Cup. Now they've made it to the semifinals. Now I think twice uh, they back to back. Maybe it was quarterfinals uh, last time around, but I'm pretty sure they they also made it to the semis. You know, you have um, you know a, a power like a former power like China. In 99, who made the final and who've kind of, you know, been kind of stuck in neutral uh, since 1999 um, have finally they've, you know, I think there was a a corporation or something that's going to invest, you know, a billion dollar corporation that's going to invest money um, in the in the Chinese women's team. So that's all pushing. Men's team also. That was yes. the guy who tried to offer Jose Mourinho 100 million dollars to to coach Guangzhou and also the national team. So they are they are not playing around. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a lot more investment. 
sort of coming to the women's game um to to the women's game and I think it's a, it's only a good thing. It can it's only can be a, a good thing, and and I think you know everybody's talking about whether the the U.S. domination is good or uh, bad. I think the way they've gone about it has kind of spurred some people. People now want to beat the U.S. They want to beat the U.S. You know, they're whether they they liked you know the celebrations or they could care less. Um, there's a certain now there's an edge now where you want you want to beat the U.S. Um, it's the same way teams want to beat the Patriots every year. It's, it's yeah, kind of the we'll same. We'll be talking horse. That's yeah. fine. If, if that's the role we play to bring soccer, the level of soccer up, women's soccer across the, the globe, then cool. Great. That's fine. Yes. Uh, I, and I just don't know how you watch that and are not impressed at the quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are there are people who still, uh, and you know, people like what they like and whatever. They have the reasons for liking things or not liking things. Okay, fine. Um, there are differences in the game, clearly. And obvious that there is. That's just the way that goes. However, the style of play is wonderful. Yeah, it's like it's connected and flowing, and there is a there's a team mentality, and there's not as much play acting. You know, for better or for worse, um, it's it's visually appealing. Soccer. I watched so much soccer, and and getting to watch this tournament for the last month, it's hard to look at that. Particularly the good team. I mean, there are there were teams there that maybe are not ready for prime time yet, and those games I wouldn't put in front of a neutral. But the the top tier women, the w- women who advanced out of the group stages, all of those teams play engaging soccer. Yeah. If you if you can sit through MLS, you should want to sit through this because it's 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 uh, it's better. And, and I think there. you know, and I think the expansion of the tournament has helped it. And they're talking about moving it to thirty two, and I'm I'm actually for that. Everybody's talking about well, you're going to have you know eight more Thailands. Is that really going to be better the game? And I'm like, well, yes, it is. I mean, look at. Eventually, uh, look at Argentina. Argentina. They talked about Argentina suffering, you know, defeat after defeat, you know, big defeat, and then they finally get their first point, and then they om- they almost qualified for the next round. They came very very close uh, to making it to the uh, to the to the next round of the tournament. Um, they came very very close to doing that, to getting their first win. Even I think against I think it was against Nigeria. I want to say. Yep. Um, so all these, you know, having more teams in that tournament does does eventually push teams forward and, and, and confederations better spain and italy were kind of the the new darlings of the tournament they played probably the best game against the u.s um yep. so having more teams in the tournament does help it it's rough in the beginning and it was rough when they first moved to the 24 there were a lot of seven nothing eight nothing victories but this was with, with the exception of thailand this was probably the most competitive women's world cup we've ever had and that only took they 24 uh, last time was the first time they pushed to the 24 now they so now I think it's absolutely you have to raise it. So um to close to close this out, a tweet from the Onion says US Soccer Federation argues it ridiculous for female players to expect same pay as huge stars like Daniel Lovitz and Jordi Mihaljevic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh let's shift gears again. Um let's talk uh DC United. Uh let's talk uh the the secondary transfer windows open everybody. And uh it was revealed the the big story revolving around it and we got a lot of Twitter. We got a lot of Twitter questions about this. Uh, mostly, everybody wants to talk about. Um, everybody wants to talk about. Uh, uh, Yamil Yamil Assad. Uh, there was there was sort of the. I don't know if we mentioned this on. I don't know if this was on the last show, but we sort of mentioned the um, the the fact that he has apparently on his Instagram he had tagged. Luciano Acosta in his Instagram while pictures of a kid. And everybody was like, "Well, is he is he in DC? Is he in DC?" And apparently, no, he's still in Argentina. Um, he is liking pretty much every post of Atlanta or DC fans who say, come back, come back to us. We want you. We want you. He's liking all those posts. Um, 
right now, in case, so right now, basically, DC has the inside track. They own his rights. He can only really negotiate with DC unless DC wants to trade those rights. Um, so there is, and when, especially after it was revealed that he has been released from his contract from from Velez, which I'm very surprised that that happened. I, I was very surprised that. I guess that Velez did that considering the interest for him. They didn't release him. They, he was just at the end of his oh, contract. They, his contract. Agree, yes. they, they couldn't agree to new terms for an extension. So yeah, it was and, just end of and, end and, deal. And honestly, for, for that, why would you? If you're Mil Assad, why would you why would you re-sign a contract and hope that they make good on their deal? I mean, he yeah. he he posted a great, you know, article in English, by the way, which I found very interesting. It wasn't completely in Spanish. You he know. knows where he's going. Yeah. Yeah, he knows he knows exactly where he's going. He's going to MLS. I mean, there's yep. there is absolute interest for him in this league. And DC should make this move. And they unless they have something else in mind that they really think is gonna be better, you need help. First of all, you need help right now. You need offensive help right now. You don't have time for a guy to figure it out in, you know, five, six games. You need help. Number again, you need help. You need to do this early in the window because you don't have a whole lot of games left by August. Um, now the the idea is, you know, I think everybody. I was kind of thinking once his release from his contract, I was like, okay, this has got to get done. Like, you know, next day contract should be at the table. But um, apparently, I think they still have some international roster spot issues. Uh, Joseph Mora apparently is going to Costa Rica. Uh, to get yep. a hopefully get a some files and paperwork to get a green card, which would free up the spot. Um, because trying to get rid of um of the other international player that they would probably want to get rid of, which is Zoltan Stieber, is probably going to be a little bit of a tough a tough uh, a tough ask in the beginning of the window. I don't think unless you just offer him literally, you will take his entire contract type situation. I don't think there's any way you could have uh, you could have him gone. Um, John, what are your yeah. Go ahead. It's in that case, it's what do you value the spot or the salary cap space, right? So I think they're gonna they have to choose one or the other. I think they want the spot. Um, they can use TAM and other and other and other areas. So I think that they will, like you said, uh, eat a lot of that contract to be able to move on. Zoltan, um, you know, I talked earlier about if he was sick or not at the FC Dallas game. Uh, it's possible he was sick. I'm gonna take Bennett as at his his, his winking word. Um yeah, I, th- I think that Yamil Assad seems like a no-brainer. I don't know his asks. This is his first time uh, that he has been able to call his own shots completely since he went to Velez, however many years ago that was when he first signed his contract. So that's Atlanta. I don't know Atlanta's level of interest. There could be some undeclared teams that are interested. I believe I saw a post about Minnesota potentially being a landing spot, although that might have just been a punt from the fans. So who knows there? Uh, but that. It seems like, and we talked about it last show, and you just said like, we he won't be the only player. I think yeah. the, this uh, Joseph Moore getting his green card taken care of clears this up. So as soon as that happens, I bet you we make this a side move. Um, but that won't be it. Uh, but it is a player that knows the system for the most part. I mean, completely, pretty much. He's familiar uh, with. He's and- familiar with you know Wayne Rooney. He's familiar with Russell Canals and and Junior Moreno. I mean, those guys were even there before then. So you got a guy that's already familiar with everything and you and you need that you need something to give something a different look because what's working right now is not giving us much of a different look. So that that's that's the the argument I would make. Um and the other the other question too is uh does this team look to and I don't have the MLS rules in front of me, so if any nerds are out there can tell me that they're not allowed to do this and there's a there's a cap number, maybe you want to acquire another international spot this year. Another another roster spot. Um 
we're going to look to improve. I will ima- I, I will bet you that it's going to come from, I think the days of us sort of just being like, what can we get on the trade market inside MLS for no money? I think those days hopefully are a little bit behind us. The, the, ben has been watching this team. Dave has been watching this team uh, for, for the last seven or eight games. Uh, and it's, it's apparent the sort of, uh, you know, just how stale it is in the attack. Uh, how many of our goals are coming from free kicks or penalty, the penalty spot or from corners uh, and how few goals are being created from open play and how it's cost us points. And luckily we are where we are, but I, I don't think the, the, the weaknesses are not hard to see if we're yeah. seeing them, they are seeing them uh, in, you know, in much greater detail. So I think that there will be multiple additions in the attack and Yamil Saad will hopefully be one of them, but we need at least one more. I, I think they make, they make, you know, more gets his green card. You bring in Assad. You try to get everybody healthy and not suspended. You run that for a game. And then you also, you know, you're still looking to make moves, obviously. But it would not surprise me then if Zoltan's next out the door, then there's the other move that has to happen. So I think there has to be some things that have to go into order. And um, one of the things that uh, that uh, Ben also did mention, he said that they're looking to make one move, possibly two, in in the coming week. He said coming week. He didn't say coming weeks. He said coming in the next coming week. So I bet you that's Assad. I really think the green yeah. card is the only hold up. Yeah, I, I I think that they they're you know you don't send a player all the way to Costa Rica in the midseason right. if 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 you're if you're not sure that he can get the green card and then be back and you can make this announcement. Um, Particularly when you have a game on Friday and he is you can't not have him if he's healthy. Yes. So you know for sure this is a quick trip. Yeah, this is a quick trip. It's short term pain for hopefully a long term. Um, relief on that so um, um hopefully we'll have some news we'll have some news on that soon um we also still have roster spots available guys yeah so remember <laughs> they're not carrying their maximum amount uh and, there are still, there's restrictions on where they can come from but we could there are still positions on i feel like another forward wouldn't be the worst idea behind understanding that wayne has played every minute um every time he goes down and is hurt and is tackled uh, I die a little bit inside. Yeah. So uh, uh, another goal scorer who's not named Quincy Maraqua on on this roster would not kill us. I feel like if we want to make a real run at it. Yeah, and 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 I, I would tend to you, know, you say they're done. In, I don't think we're going to see them go to the trade market. I still think you could still see them dip into that a little bit. You know, bring in a guy who's maybe not getting minutes. You know, or is being kind of pushed out. You know, elsewhere. I mean, might be a good death piece to bring in. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't completely close the door on them not making some sort of trade or move um, to bring some guy back in. Um, I think was it a Jordan? Jordan Hamilton was actually a guy I, I thought wouldn't mind having him as a backup in DC, but he's apparently being swapped for uh, Patrick Mullins. Kind of a weird one weird. for one, one for one swap swap there. Um, but we got some other. We got some other sort of Twitter questions. Let's get into those. Uh, so. Um, what a skip the Assad question. Yes, we sort of we uh, answered them. So you know. We answer the your side questions. Uh, this one I want to read from. Um, it's uh, NEMM is what I'm going to call it. Or uh, Nick. Uh, Nick, I guess. Okay, yeah, I see his name. Uh, Nick there. It says, not the first person who with this thought, but what do you think about dropping Rooney into central midfield, putting America at top at least for the next match? Um, I'd like to see a bit more speed up top, but who is the backup uh, forward then? Um, the answer is I have no clue who the backup forward would be at that point. Yeah, um, uh, the answer is America goes ninety in that in that configuration. Yeah, basically, uh, basically. You know, I'm I will not be surprised if Acosta does leave, does indeed lead. Um, if he does go out, by the way, uh, 
mentioning Acosta, go check out the the Athletics article. Absolutely do that with with Pablo Maurer, giving sort of a better insight into Acosta. Um, and I would, I'm, I'm feeling. I, I just want to. I just want to make sure from that. Uh, even if you don't get to read it, there is an image of uh, Luciano Acosta sitting in a hotel room thinking about going to Neymar's birthday party. <laughs> so if that if that alone that is a that is a sentence that was written and a thing that happened. Uh, if that doesn't entice you to pay money to go uh, read this article, then I, I yeah, can't help you. Go do it. But um, I have thought that maybe this might be an option that DC United utilizes. Um, I don't think at the end of the day that's where they want to go. I think playing him in central midfield opens up a lot. He's already, he's already dropped back enough, and then you're going to have him drop back more. Um, he is definitely not fast. Wayne Rooney has never been fast. You're relying on his clinical finishing ability and his set pieces um, and his ability to be smarter than everybody else out there on the field and to connect with other players. Um, so I thought maybe that's the direction they go down, but I, I'm not convinced that that's the direction they're going to go. Um, you I, might see it next game just for the fact that uh, Acosta is uh, on a suspension. Yeah. Yeah. So you, something like that could happen. I think more likely they'll put Luch, uh, Rodriguez, T.T. Rodriguez back in, in central midfield give, and give, roll Ariola out there and yeah. everything else will be the same. Give Rodriguez a go with Ariola out there, out wide to help him, and also um, Segura out there to help him. I think you could yep. definitely see um, for sure. But definitely a better option. Um, Joe Comrell says, I want to win. I want adjustments to get there. I want to see Quincy play on the wing. Or play at the 10, Wayne out front, uh, going wild with this one, I got to say. <laughs> or 4-1-1 one, one with Wayne and Q up top. Um, have one push a little high, one drop or something. Uh, tell me why I won't love to see this. Love, Joe. I think we already kind of discussed this. Um, I, Wayne Rooney sounds good because I think you think, oh, he's going to be the center of the attack. But I think his speed will become an issue. I think his the players willing to connect with him. I think you need him up top. You need him as the forward and you need good wing play um, to kind of compensate for his, for his lack of speed. Um, yeah. And also there is no formation that's going to happen. That doesn't have two defensive midfielders. Ben believes heavily in this. Uh, and there's a good reason this team has uh, gives up one goal a game, pretty much a yeah. little bit more than one goal game. Their defense has been good dis- despite sort of, you know, momentary lapses. The system has been, has kept high scoring offenses from really punishing us even when we're losing. So uh, he, uh, Ben clearly believes in that sort of, in that safety net for his back line, having those two defensive midfielders be part of the, uh, the defensive core. So that keep that in mind as you look at new potential formations. I don't think that uh, unless there's a real injury situation where you're, you're like we've been thin before in the midfield and put Chris McCann out there instead of result instead of, uh, just going with one defensive midfielder. So clearly, it is a it is a move. It is a look for us that we don't want to that, that Ben does not want to very uh, you know deviate from. Yep. And uh, let, we're going to kind of go through these really quickly. Uh, Colin uh, Colin over at Tweet Colin Tweet says if you had one non Hall of Tradition player inducted from uh, non Hall Hall of Tradition inducted player from DC's past or roster, uh, who would it be, and why is it um, in Andrea Machini? Uh, not gonna be Andrea Machini <laughs> for sure. Is uh, I would say uh, Leko Eskandarian. Leko Eskandarian. I don't think I don't think he's a non-Hall of Tradition player. I don't think he's ever gonna be in the Hall of Tradition. Uh, but he was one of my favorite players to watch. Um, I would say uh, one of three players: Siam Siralam, uh, Rod Diachenko, or Anjan Sulu. One of those three players I think would really help this. Uh, really help the attack. So those are Leonard Pahoy. Like. Let's start him in there. <laughs> Yeah, he's well. I mean, he's too busy scoring a crap ton of goals in uh, in the league he's playing in now. So he's he couldn't he couldn't be convinced to come back. Probably uh, they fair. have looser offside rules in Central America. I guess so. 
Uh, back uh, says um, Malo uh, Dan. This is Dan Duckowitz. I'm not. I'm not gonna say your whatever name you decided to. Pick Malo Pato. Malo Pato. Um, back half. Back half ishes DCU season uh, performance. Progden. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm losing. Dan my says. Dan says back half ish DC United season performance prognostications. Uh, so he would like to know what we think, how, how this is going to go the rest of the way. I think it really matters on the moves that happen here in the, in the next uh, the next three weeks. Something has to change. This, the same players in the same formation has gotten us certain levels of results. There have been some injuries, but for the most part, you know, seven tenths of the of the core has have remained no matter what. Uh, so it's going to require it's going to require some new blood to really liven things up. If we don't get it for whatever reason, if we're frustrated in the market and can't bring in the players that we need to make a difference, uh, I see this team uh, tanking it the rest of the way and barely scraping into the playoffs, uh, losing their losing their prominent position right now in second and then squeaking in at the very bottom if they don't make the changes. If they make the changes and we see a turnaround and we see DC United from the beginning of this year or the tail end of last year, uh, you know, sky's the limit. I've still got my, I've still got my bet, my bet, uh, in, the, in my drawer for DC United for the title. So you never know how this window is going to go. And I think that'll really make, uh, uh, you know, I think that's, it's hard to judge without knowing that ask us again at the end of the window and then I'll have, I'll have another opinion. Yeah. The window's key. Um, the window's key short of a player, like maybe Lucas Rodriguez, just suddenly turning it up or like seeing a level that we haven't seen. There has to be changes. There has to be something new, something different. Just, just to mix it up because I think teams are just – have they figured DC out? And we're kind of just, you know, locking games down, playing kind of old Benny Ball style soccer. And, you know, you need something uh, – you need something different to sort of mix it up. Wayne Rooney mixed it up last year and they went on a crazy run. Um, and right now teams have said, okay, we keep, you know, Rooney and Acosta, you know, out of the game and, you know, we, we have a chance of winning. And they have to rely on either, you know, you know, Wayne Rooney doing something amazing or that we can't even control like a half field goal, really, or we have to rely on something else. So. um, So, yeah, that I would agree. I would agree with you. They're 100 percent. Something has to change. Something has to be different Um, from I'm going to say that's uh, I'm not even uh, Mari Serenzi. Mauricio, Mauricio Renzi. Mauricio Renzi. You're better at this than I am. What you... I will, let's let me read. I'm, I'm the designated reader. Just let me be the reader. Okay, he asks, when will Pines replace Briant in the lineup? So we just talked about DC United's goals against uh, average being a little north of one. Uh, there are a lot of listeners who really do not like Briant, and I, 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 I somewhat understand uh, their, their arguments, but I would say that he is not our issue at hand. Pines is exciting, and when he comes in, uh, now you, everyone will remember his weird bicycle clearance that he made in the middle of the defense last week when he came in. Uh, they will not remember that he gave the ball away about 15 seconds beforehand that set up that situation to have to happen. So rookie defenders have rookie defending uh, moments. Uh, I think that Briant holds on to his spot for the rest of the year. I think Pines puts in a good effort in next year to potentially take take the spot from him in 2020 that's my that's my production yeah i'm I'm in the same boat i think it's i don't think he's played bad enough where you can say he needs his his spot replaced but i mean yeah i don't i i I think he's fine and i think he's solid i think the team has been pretty solid defensively i'm not concerned about that um at all um dan 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 duckowitz comes in again 
Are you planning to crash the Total Soccer Show uh, Cooligans show this Saturday by setting off yellow smoke bombs in the bathroom at Audi? Um, I am I am uh, at least casual slash uh, somewhat good friends with the people of the Total Soccer Show. Um, Daryl and has been amazing to me and a good friend to me, so I will not be doing any such thing. John, you're free to do whatever you want. I will be. Yeah, I don't know them, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna gonna do that. Uh, if if somehow you don't know what uh, he's referencing. Uh, there should be a picture somewhere in your Twitter feeds of uh, some broy looking crew fans letting off yellow smoke inside of an RFK bathroom. Uh, I don't know how many years ago. It was a while ago now, uh, but it was it was quite it was quite the uh, the sensation on DC United social media at that time. Uh, I uh, you know I wish them the best. You know I certainly can't imagine wanting to have been a part of it. Uh, so I, I hope that it, I hope that they do very well. I hope that they, I hope they do so well that they look about uh, trying to figure out a way to get uh, more podcasts involved, potentially local ones uh, in the next live <laughs> podcast at RFK or at Audi, at Audi field. Email uh, that's, RFK refugees at gmail.com. Email RFK refugees at gmail.com. Yeah, that's you right. Have <laughs> we said it twice now. Uh, and uh, we got a, one more Twitter question from Will. Uh, huh? From Will Henline, my yes. buddy from college. Uh, your let's get crazy transfer moves. I got one. Yeah, look. Huh? I got one. Go Jesus Medina. Bring him in from uh, from New York. I think he needs a fresh start. He would be one guy I would be very interested in seeing. Maybe play in a different system, a system that values uh, wide players a little bit more. And he doesn't have to play at Yankee Stadium for half his games. So I'd be very interested to see him in there. Um, I think he could be used a fresh uh, fresh start um, for him. So that that would be one player I would I would like to see. Yeah, I would you, like I would like uh, to see uh, Michi Batshuayi from Chelsea come over. I think that he will find a hard time starting uh, for Lampard this year, and he will only cost like thirty five million dollars. So I think that he's probably <laughs> you know if they if they've sold enough Flow FC subscriptions, I think they should be able to to make this move happen. Oh, I thought we were going with like let's get crazy but realistic moves. Uh, Chris, oh, Pontius, no, I, I decided Chris, to not do that. Chris Chris Pontius <laughs> would be one, another guy player. I mean, why not bring him in? That'd be interesting. He'd be an interesting forward option, I think. I'd sure. like to see. I'd like to see him back. I don't think it's going to happen though. But uh, no. um, if, we're, if we're talking about like unrealistic moves, like Mo Salah, why not just bring in Mo Salah? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I, I don't imagine he'll have as many political problems as he's currently facing. I think he'll probably just chill. It'll be Oof. nice. Just All go right. on down. Uh, I want to make sure that we uh, say thank you to our new Patreon subscriber, who I love to death because he because pers- he gave me a pronunciation guide to his last name. And good thing that he did because he obviously listens to this show and knows how that goes. So it's David Selton. Thank you for becoming a, a Patreon subscriber. If you would like to get involved uh, and join us uh, on Patreon, particularly at, with this exciting new direction we talked about on the show, that's something you want to support and make sure that we continue. Uh, check us out on patreon.com slash RFK Refugees. And uh, also, uh, we said it at the beginning, uh, the, sort of when we talked about it, but if you have thoughts on our new direction and you think maybe we're making a horrible mistake uh, or if more preferably you think it's a great idea and you want to tell us how much you're excited about it, make sure you tweet at us at RFK Refugees or email us at RFKRefugees at gmail.com. By the way, um, Pablo Mauro tweeting in, this literally just happened. Like, this is breaking news. Uh, hearing Luciano Costa is getting an additional game added to his right card suspension, um, <laughs> likely to be appealed, but it will probably hold. Uh, so, yep, that's the, them's the breaks with that. So we've already talked about why I think that's a bad idea and why they shouldn't be doing it. But there it is. Um, there it is. Okay. 
Uh, Patreon.com slash RFP Refugees, like John just said. Twitter.com slash RFP Refugees. Facebook.com, search the RFP Refugees podcast. You guys are amazing. You guys are why we do this. This is a marathon episode. Um, <laughs> marathon, marathon episode. But we, you guys gave us so much to work with, we could not do it. So um, thank you all so, so much for listening. You all guys are amazing, and we will catch you all next week. Vamos. Vamos.